Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from the New King James Version. Dare any of you... Having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goes to law against brother, brother, uh, against brother, and that before unbelievers. So Paul is addressing something here that actually happens very commonly in our day and age where believers are suing other believers, taking other believers to court. Well, uh, we live in a very interesting day and age where there is a lot of litigation happening in our world. And unfortunately, what Paul is saying here doesn't always play out today. In other words, Even if you did go to certain people that are in the body of Christ, certain brothers, many people would not listen to you, even if they were in the wrong. They were taking advantage of somebody. They were stealing from somebody. And so uh, there would be absolutely no recourse except to take them to court, which I believe Paul uh, addresses as well. But notice he's advocating. Paul is saying, look, before you rush to court and sit before unbelievers, maybe unbelievers, a jury that has primarily unbelievers there, or even a judge that may be an unbeliever because there are believers and unbelievers who are judges. He said, why would you do that when you could bring it to somebody or maybe a small group of people in the church that are spiritual, they're mature, they're going to be fair, and they're going to help bring truth and balance and help you work this out. Why wouldn't you bring it to people in the church, he said, don't you, re- don't you realize that in the afterlife, in the next life, that the church, the believers, the saints are going to be judging the world? He said, if we can judge the world, then why can't we judge the smallest matters that are going on right now in the church? So he said, it's a shame just to rush to court. And so I would never advise somebody to rush to court. You always want to get it worked out. In fact, let me just remind you that Jesus said, if you've got something between yourself and a brother, go between the two of you first. Once you bring somebody else in, sometimes the embarrassment causes them to respond in a way that they wouldn't ordinarily respond. So Jesus said, go to the person first. And if they don't listen, bring somebody along with you. And if they still don't listen, then you can take it and expand it and uh, call for some maybe church leaders or some elders, some mature people to, to help. But he said, eventually, you know, you have to just not uh, continue to attack that person or uh, even pursue that person. It wouldn't be an attack, but it'd be more just pursuing them to try to convince them because eventually you realize the person is not going to be convinced. So notice Paul says, 
but try to handle it amongst yourselves in the body of Christ first and not to rush to litigation like so many people in the world do. So it goes on to say in verse 7, Now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? This is interesting. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So before I go on into the next section, he's saying, wouldn't you rather be cheated and, and to have been wronged by a brother than to turn around and take that brother, your brother in the Lord, to court? And now in front of unbelievers, you have people in the body of Christ that are against one another. That's a difficult uh, saying. There's a difficult uh, scripture for many people because many people feel like there's justice. We, we should have justice. And if somebody is unjustly treating me, then I have to defend myself and such. Well, in certain cases, I do feel that some people need to defend themselves in certain cases. But in other cases, I think what Paul's saying here, he's not talking about some heavy duty like a lady where somebody's trying to take away their her children. And he's saying, just, just be cheated. Let the person have your children. Well, of course not. Of course not. So you can't take this to an extreme to where Paul's uh, uh, as if he's in a blanket saying, no matter what people do to you, let them walk over you and don't take them to court. No, that's not what he's saying. But he's, he's mentioning here that there are some matters that are not significant enough to bring believers before uh, the, the court of the world and for to put on display something. And, and over what? Over what? Paul's saying, think spiritually. Is what you're being cheated out of that big of a deal to send this wrong message to the world? And maybe turn some people off, put a bad taste in their mouth for the church in general. So Paul is helping the Corinthians and us to think spiritually and to realize there's a bigger picture beyond whether or not this person is taking advantage of me. And so then we get to verse 9. Let me read it again. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, let me tell you, uh, this is a good idea to get on and read the word and such. But sometimes you come to some pretty significant passages uh, in the Bible, and I'm going to read right through and walk you right through. But listen to what he says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Let me say that more plainly. They will not go to heaven. He said, you need to know that. There's a doctrine out there called universalism that says, hey, look, Eventually, everybody's going to make it to heaven because God's a God of love. Well, he definitely is a God of love, but he's also a righteous, holy God, and he's a just God. So he is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's true. But the Bible also is clear. They're not all going to come, but God wants them all to come. God loves everybody. He wants everybody to be saved, to be born again, to be forgiven, to walk in joy and love and peace and salvation and righteousness and holiness and have life and life more abundantly, like Jesus said in John 10. But it's their choice. He will not force it upon them. So he, the Bible says here, and Paul says, let me make it clear because, and, and this is not only to the Corinthian church, but this is to the church, the body of Christ. 
the Bible. This is not just the Apostle Paul's opinion. This is the Holy Spirit now speaking through the Apostle Paul and saying, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he says this, do not be deceived. There are many deceived that think, oh, it'll be okay. God will work it out with you. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So he said, don't be deceived. It will not happen. Now, what he's not saying is if anybody has committed one of those sins before, they're out. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about somebody who had committed adultery, but maybe repented, see, or did repent. He's talking about adulterers, people that they're not repenting. They continue to persist in it. See, so he's talking about adulterers. Well, this is, he's primarily referring, and of course, adultery is of the heart and it goes in different directions. There's spiritual adultery and such. But uh, by and large, in the context, he'd be talking about somebody sexually crossing marital lines, his own marriage, her own marriage, somebody else's marriage. See, and so this is adultery. You're crossing covenants. You're crossing marriage. Neither adulterers, well, fornicators, it starts with fornicators. Fornicators would be uh, include somebody that's not even married, a, a couple, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, or maybe not even a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Just what people do today, just hooking up and what, as they say, you know, and it's so flippant today. That's fornication. And God designed for sexual relationship to happen in marriage, in marriage between a man and a woman and here, fornication is addressed. And then idolaters. Of course, this is talking about people that uh, serve, bow down to, or look to idols. But sometimes idol is not a statue or something carved on a tree or a rock. But sometimes idolatry could be money and other things like that that we look to as our source. So neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, that's crossing the marriage lines, nor homosexuals, we know what that is, nor sodomites, many people uh, wonder what this is, and and some people uh, still don't all agree on it. But I think that generally it's understood as having sex with the wrong body parts. And notice he says homosexuals, and then he says sodomites, because sodomy doesn't have to be male-male. It can be male and female. But he says, sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice they're all lumped in together. People who uh, are not receiving the love of God, are not receiving the forgiveness of God, are not uh, believing that his word is true, that, that yes, he is a loving God, but he's also a holy God. And he calls us to... Uh, eliminate certain immorality out of our lives so that we can align ourselves to him for our own good, by the way. See, God knows we may think, well, this is best for me. We may think so, but the creator, the manufacturer, God, who knows all things, he knows what's best for us. And so uh, it's important that we don't think and he says, do not be deceived. Don't think that you know better than God. You don't. I don't. You don't. None of us do. God is the creator. 
He wants to bless us. He wants to love us. He wants us to be in meaningful relationships. And see, so he's saying that these people that persist in this, these kinds of immoralities, and there's a whole long list of them, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I love this next verse. And such were some of you, but you were washed. <laughs> but you were sanctified, set apart. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So notice, God's not discounting any of these people who have done these things or who do these things. He said, because some of you were like that. Well, I tell you what, God saved me from the bondage of lust. God saved me from these things. And I've been a believer as long as I can remember. I've always loved God, but I got caught up into some of these things. And they get in your heart. And then, you know, they're, they're bondages. You, they're habits you can't break free because they're spiritual. It's not just natural. It's spiritual. And so all these things that happen, we may think, well, this is me. No, but somehow or another, they come in. us. We live in a spiritual world. We can't see the spirit realm, but it's real. See, and so these things uh, attach to us, attack us, connect with us in some way or another. And you begin to feel like it's just the way you are, the way you were made or the way you were born or whatever. And let me tell you, uh, no, God can come and help you. And uh, he washed me from so many things and has justified me. But I love this. And he, he's telling the Corinthians, some of you were just like that one of these things. But you were washed, but you were sanctified. God set you apart. You were justified. God declares you as righteous now before the throne of God. So let me tell you, it's a beautiful thing. This is a God of love talking. This is not a harsh, hateful God who wants to take away our rights. No, he wants to give us the best life. Like, like with our children, our children may want to eat something that's poisonous and deadly. And we take it away and they say, I want to eat that. But we, we want to tell them, you think you do, but it's going to be harmful to you. And what, we, what I want to do is I want to protect you from something that you don't realize will be harmful. And God's that way with us as well. And so in verse 12, all things are lawful for me, for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is that bondage. And he, he was, he's going to talk now even about our appetite with food because we can all overdo it or eat wrongly with food. He said, food, food's for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. So he's saying, if we just let the appetites, and he uses food because everybody understands ap of appetite with food, but appetite doesn't stop with food. Appetite is sexual. Appetite is with money. Appetite is with esteem or fame. We have these appetites, these aspirations, these... Uh, these uh, things in our hearts that want to make us more or bigger uh, ambition, I think is the word that I was looking for. We have these appetites inside. And Paul said, you must control your appetites because the appetites within will always go too far. One to eat too much, one to go too far and push you to the point where now your life is being destroyed. Now your life your, the quality of your life is being diminished. And so here's God is helping us as human beings to understand these things. All right, I got to move quickly now. It says, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So our bodies 
are for God, not to be sexually immoral. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise him up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? So he's saying it's not just your spirit that's with God and your body can do anything it wants to. He said, no, when you get born again, your whole being, spirit, soul, and body all become part of the Lord. And he says, so should you take something that's part of the Lord and go join it to a prostitute or with someone's uh, in sexual immorality? He said, certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one. So he's talking now about the way sex was designed between a man and a woman, and they become one together in that sexual encounter. And so he goes on to say, but he who is joined to the Lord, verse 17, is one spirit with the Lord. Flee sexual immorality. So he says, flee, run from it, run from it. And let me tell you, that's literally what you have to do sometimes is you just got to get away, get far away and stay far away. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. For you were bought at a price. So notice, Jesus didn't only buy your spirit or your spirit and soul. Jesus bought you as a whole person. He paid for you as a whole person. By his stripes, we are healed, right? We can experience physical healing and deliverance, freedom from addictions and bondages and low self-esteem in the mind, all, everything. He wanted to redeem us and he paid the price on the cross, spirit, soul, and body, to redeem us in every way. And so the Bible tells us, don't let your appetite get out of control in any area of your life. And all things are lawful, but not everything that that appetite wants to eat is helpful. Helpful. In other words, in other words, he says sexual things. Okay. Well, there is sexual things that's within righteousness and the Lord, you know, between a, a married couple, a husband and a wife. But he said, but the appetite will take it beyond that. Even if you have a great marriage, well, your appetite, if you let it go, take it beyond that. He said, and now you're getting into harmful things. And so anyway, this is another uh, important chapter in the Bible. Thank God for God's holy written word. And we're just taking it chapter by chapter and letting the Holy Spirit teach us the ways of God. And I tell you, when you humble yourself and submit to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not right. You're right. He teaches you. And once you walk in his ways, then you say, oh. I get it. I get it. It's a beautiful thing to walk in the ways of the Lord. Well, I'm enjoying walking through these chapters of the Bible with you. And I look forward to tomorrow with 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. 
We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.